So I'm going to give you a journey movie. So a man gets sent on a mission from God, and he must go somewhere that he would really prefer not to go. Time out. Hold on. You asked me before we started recording if I'd ever seen anything by the Veggie Tales. <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to take this with you. This is now. perhaps. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about the Veggie Tales with you. Oh my God. Kay, have you seen Jonah a Veggie Tales movie? You know that I have not. I do know that. I just asked you. For thousands of years, the story's been told of a man who was eaten by a whale and lived to tell about it. You've never heard this story till you've heard it told by vegetables. Excuse me. Ah! How's it going? Hey, what's up? Who are you? Uh, who? Us? Yeah? We call ourselves the pirates who don't do anything, but that's not entirely accurate. Oh yeah, remember when we did that one thing with that one guy? Oh, do I ever. I remember it like it was yesterday. Before Jaws. What's happening? We're in a storm like I never seen before. If we don't do something quick, we're gonna sink. Somebody up there must be really upset with somebody down here. Wait a minute. That's it. Before 20,000 leagues under the sea. It's my fault. All my fault. I'm the one to blame. Before Free Willy. I'm afraid the only thing left is to be thrown into the sea. Aw, you don't have to do that. We got a plank. We can just walk on. Yes. Thank you. You're too kind. From the creators of Veggie Tales, the biggest fish story of all time, Big Ideas Jonah, a Veggie Tales movie, only in theaters 2002. Hello, welcome again to another episode of K Have You Seen? I'm Kari. I'm Kyle. And today we're going to talk about a classic film. Jonah, a VeggieTales movie. You abuse that word classic, I feel like, sometimes. But Do I? It's subjective. I'll, I'll, I'll let it slide, I suppose. Yeah. So, before we dive into your thoughts, mm-hmm. Kyle, give us a, a brief summary. All right. So, a van full of anthropomorphic vegetables mm-hmm. um, on their way to a concert um, crashes in the middle of nowhere... Uh, for getting lost on a back road, and they go to a seafood restaurant to try to find a phone to call for a tow truck. And while they're there, a group of pirates tells the children from the van and eventually the adults uh, the biblical story of Jonah and the whale, also featuring anthropomorphic vegetables, um, in a sort of musical comedy, very uh, early computer animated staycation of an adventure if you will because most it's the frame is very stationary for the most part um anyway and it's uh very 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 clearly intended for an audience of people under the age of 10 i think yes indeed um yeah that's pretty much what imdb has uh when the singing veggies encounter some car trouble they're stranded at an old rundown seafood joint where nothing is quite as it seems as bob the tomato and the kids settle in to wait for a tow truck to help get their van back on the road the pirates who don't do anything share a little story about a guy named jonah Jonah was kind of like a mailman, except his messages came straight from God. Jonah loves his job until the day comes when he has to deliver a message to the people of Nineveh. Instead of carrying out his mission, Jonah turns and sets sail in the opposite direction on board a pirate ship. Soon Jonah embarks on an adventure that leads him into the belly of a whale and to the heart of Nineveh for a hilarious showdown. So yeah, pretty much what you said. Sure. To give you my guess on your reaction, having no outside input, no uh, no messages from you, subtle or otherwise, in this interim week, um, I'm going to guess you did not love this. I know you were not thrilled to watch it. Um, I, think, I think you liked it more than you thought you would, but still didn't love it. I didn't care for it. Okay, I, all right. I did give not. Give me more. Yeah, I... I went into this with an open mind because no, you did not. <laughs> I I predicted what my reaction was going to be. 
Obviously. I mean, that's on record. Mm -hmm. I did go into it with an open mind because I thought maybe there is more to it because my real frame of reference for the VeggieTales franchise is extremely limited. Um, We will talk about that. Yeah. It wasn't part of my childhood. They were around when I was a kid, but it just wasn't part of my upbringing or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, I don't really know anything about this other than what it is. So I'll watch it and see what I can make of it. I have almost no notes for this episode because I couldn't think of anything to write while I was wow. watching it. And I'm not I'm not trying to be negative Nancy about it. I'm just like, I am going to do a lot of listening and asking questions during oh. this episode, I think, because normally, as everyone who has ever heard this podcast knows, I talk a lot. Mm. Um, but I don't know what all I can really say about this. Interesting. And to recall, last week when I brought this up, you said you were going to try to find like a deeper meaning. I tried so hard. Wow. I tried so hard. And I even did research on the biblical story of Jonah to try to get some context of like, okay, maybe I can go, go through some like scholarly interpretations of this story that maybe I just wasn't aware of before. Nothing. Nothing. I got no. I, I I'm disappointed in myself, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to find some kind of like proto-Marxist argument somewhere buried in there, or something ridiculous like that. That was, you know, just to pull that out of thin air. But man, I wow, I know. Thing. Sorry, I expected guys. more of you. Kyle. I, I, I did expected too. a lot more. So did I. Let me give you a little background on the Veggie Tales. This I did not realize until recently, but I think this was really a Southern kids thing, like. Huh. I I did not grow up in a super religious household. Mm-hmm. We we did go to church consistently, but not my parents were not very very religious or anything. We just it was part of our routine and, you know, it just was the way it was. So Sunday school and vacation Bible school and stuff was always part of my upbringing. But uh yeah, I I would I need to do a a, a sturdier pull on this but i think a lot of kids that i grew up with religious or no had experience with veggie tales like this is stuff mm. we would watch at like sleepovers or Interesting. it wasn't just within church it necess- i don't think we ever watched it in school but it just was a like it, it just was content that you consumed and i didn't think of it any differently than i thought of like a disney movie or really i mean this is dreamworks technically it's owned by dreamworks uh the uh, production company is Bright Ideas. Were yeah. they owned by DreamWorks at the time? Um, I believe so. Not totally or did sure. They, did DreamWorks buy Bright Idea and stop making VeggieTales movies? No, well, I think... Oh, sorry. Big Idea. Not Bright big Idea. Idea. Big Idea. Um, I think Big Idea, the only thing they produced, I believe, is VeggieTales. So okay. they were bought for that property. See, that's, that's fascinating, the, the background that you just gave me, because I was going to ask questions about that. Because the only thing I... The only context I really had for these, you know... I guess shorts and I guess a handful of features. I'm not really sure if they right. had more than that. I immediately think Sunday school. Like that's the only like thing that I think of being tied to that because I don't think I knew. I, unlike, for example, um, when we first talked about Road to El Dorado several mm-hmm. months ago, um, I knew that like my peers had seen that. It just mm-hmm. wasn't for me personally. So. This is a different story where, like, I don't think I knew anyone who watched Veggie Tales or that I was aware of it at any rate. Yeah. So to give a little bit more background, um, Veggie Tales started as more of a like short television type thing. You would mm-hmm. usually have every episode would be um, like two short stories, and then in between the two, a silly song with Larry. That was okay. like a little musical number, and they were always the silly songs with Larry rarely had anything to do with Bible stories or religion mm-hmm. or anything like that. And sometimes if it was like a more robust story, the whole thing would be one story and maybe broken up by a silly song or maybe just an episode would be a story. But, you know, I think they were probably 22 minute episodes. Okay. I didn't watch them anywhere except for on VHS, maybe DVD, but definitely VHS. Uh-huh. Um, Jonah was actually their first feature film Mm -hmm. and then they went on to make a couple more after that but i think they've kind of um declined in popularity this was probably their most popular work and Mm um we i can go ahead and tell you didn't do super well (laughs) as far as reviews and ratings 66 percent on rotten tomato which is still fresh so sure five and nine out of ten um and then audience score of 74 percent. so it really is like there's some things that hold up outside of childhood this 
not not on the same scale as Road to El Dorado. Rewatching it, I was like, yeah, okay. But I do. I remember loving it. That is the closest thing that you'll ever get to a scathing review of like your own childhood favorites. I think. Yeah, exactly. and, and not just you. Not just you. I'm talking about no, like literally no. anybody. I think that anybody confronting one of their childhood favorites, the worst you'll ever get is like, okay. Yeah. Um. So in your mind, so mm-hmm. we always talk about pairings. Mm. What was the equivalent for you? Like, what was that kind of snackable kids content um... that parents would put on? And you just watch. Well, I think that I have a harder time saying for myself. I think it might honestly. Okay, I don't have a hard time because I just realized this. <laughs> we had a ton of like new adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just, like yeah. tons of those. For some reason, when I was like really young, like five or six, that was my go-to thing. Mm-hmm. And my sister's go-to thing were the new adventures of Mary Kate and Ashley. <laughs> oh yeah. Which I think we probably we had like fifteen of those tapes. Oh my gosh, so that's so probably true. Probably all of them. Um, so it's it's different for different people, and I think even within the same family, as like what I as I just pointed out, I think whatever your childhood is like before you have like really the cognitive ability to differentiate between what happens in your own household and what happens in other people's households or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you experience in your immediate vicinity is kind of your yardstick for normal. Yeah. And as you get older, your interests change. And so as you're starting to interact with your peers and things like that, you start to get like kind of homogenized interest in for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that early childhood stuff, it's like you just described it as being like, oh, this is just a thing. Mm-hmm. And like, but you know, for, I don't know that I ever necessarily, but partly because, you know, you were talking about doing it like sleepovers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, it was like my go-to videos were just like things that I watched when I wanted to watch them. My sister's go-to videos were videos that she watched when she wanted to watch them. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a social activity. It was just like this is something that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think that um, we did kind of talk about... I think we may have mentioned this when we talked about Red Earl Dorado, just the idea that your childhood is kind of your only way of determining what is a normal childhood yeah to a lot to a great extent right and it's you know i'm sure there's kind of a weirdness around religion in general and so this probably seems really weird to people who like that just wasn't part of their upbringing and i would say you know i'm saying this is kind of not it wasn't really put on as a like oh let's like learn about god or whatever Mm -hmm. it was more of like this is just in the rotation with all the other kids shows but i'm not sure that any of my friends who, like, didn't really have, like, church as part of their childhood experience mm-hmm. probably didn't have these. I, I would be curious how much these were even in their kind of psyche and their mm-hmm. what they saw at other people's houses. But it probably was, it skewed more towards the vacation Bible st- school right, kids. Yeah. But growing up in the South, that's just kind of what a lot of us were. So and not a everyone. Lot of, a lot of children's programming, to be fair, I mean, like, this is overtly like religious in nature, but like a lot of children's programming is what we would probably call preachy if it was in more mm-hmm. advanced or grown up programming because they are objectively and unapologetically trying to teach children life lessons and like how to be a responsible citizen. Right. And so this just happens to direct, like this Veggie Tales franchise just ties it more directly into the religious biblical aspect of mm-hmm. it, which I, that doesn't have any impact on, like, the way that I, I look at it. Like, you know, I'm not going to watch The Passion of the Christ or something like that and be like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really into, like, religious stuff. Like, it's like, you know, that's part of it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not, that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, look at it in a particular, through a particular lens. Yeah. Um, but and yeah. So, and as far as how we're going to talk about this movie, I think we do, we're going to separate it more into just entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, how it is as a movie, as a children's movie, whatever. And then as content with a message. Because there is a lot, I think, to talk about there. And mm-hmm. yeah, we'll circle back to that. Sure. But starting with it as entertainment. Uh-huh. So what was your, as you were watching this, what was going through your head? I, I really don't want to sound mean and judgy. Uh-huh. But there were several times when I was watching and I was like, how much longer is this? Oh no, it's more than an hour to go still. What? It's like an hour and 20 It's an hour and 20 movie. minutes. Like, it's not even a 90 minute movie, but it, it, it felt long to me. It, so dig into that. Why yeah. was that? I don't know. It's because, again, something we've talked about before is like trying to dive into something that is obviously for like a, a seven year old audience mm-hmm. and jumping into it as a 29 year old adult man. <laughs> 
is, you know... We all if, have things to learn, Kyle. <laughs> this is true. I guess it's... it's it Because it didn't really uh, grab me, you know, it's like... It was almost as if I was watching a movie that was made in Iran and was not translated into English. Hey, those movies win Oscars, so... Iranian cinema is amazing, but the point that I'm trying to make is, like, if it was, like, not even translated, if mm. it was just... It's something that is clearly for a different demographic. Now, that's not, uh, you know, an excuse to not pay attention to it. I want to be very clear about that, that I think that, you know, media that's intended for young children, watching that as an adult with limited frame of reference, even though we were all, all obviously were children at one mm-hmm. point, is similar to watching movies that come from different cultures that are for different demographics geographically. Um, really? I, it, it's similar. Not the same, but similar in the sense that it's like, by exposing yourself to media that is intended for people who have a different life experience than your own, which children, even though we've all been children before, right. children have a different life experience. And so what speaks to them is kind of alien to adults in a lot of ways, if, if it's not part of your own childhood. So I tried to kind of like look at it through that lens. Mm. Still didn't love it, unfortunately. Sure. I, but I mean, you have the same life experience as a child because you were a child. Right, but they don't have the same life experience as me. Like, a child does not have the same life experience as an adult because they have not had all those extra years. So you're trying to watch something that is intended for a person who only has, like, seven years of reference on this planet as opposed to media that's intended for you or I that is, like, intended for people who have, like, 20, 30, 40, 70, 80 years on this, you know, that kind of thing. Like... So your life experience has distanced you from being able to understand exactly. something right. like this or yes. appreciate it. Okay, interesting. Well, my the things I was going to talk about don't really transition well from this because they're not that deep. But I did want to talk about um, the vegetables as characters. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the overall animation style. But we do, I think it's really funny. But like... It, there's some interest, interesting challenges to having vegetables as characters. Which this movie, and I assume all VeggieTales uh, properties, uh, don't really seem to care that much about. No. In those, in like, yeah, asparagus playing guitar. Why not? No hands, no feet, no, no digits whatsoever. It's <laughs> a tomato driving a car. And like, looking at a map. Steering while looking at a map. Like, irresponsible driving without hands. It's, yeah. It's... Who knows how many invisible hands he has? He could probably do both. Yeah, are you suggesting that these vegetables have ghost hands? Is that... Well, everything levitates. Like, whenever they need to touch something or pick something up, it just, like, kind of levitates where their hands would be. So, yeah, I think it's phantom limb syndrome, kind of. The internal logic is almost crazier than, like, classic Looney Tunes. Okay. You know what it did remind me of on this watch? And I will defend this. Please. Monty Python. I think the humor is very Monty Python. Which is a sophisticated, adult-driven humor. It's all it's all very silly and a very straight up like. The silliness is very almost serious in its presentation. In a Monty Python, Monty Python does things that are ridiculous in a very British somber way, and I think it takes its silliness very seriously. And I think VeggieTales does the same thing. Hmm. I mean, other than the fish slapping and making fun of French accents. That is when I realized it. When they did the fish slapping, I was like, oh, this is Monty Python. It's Monty Python. Okay. I think saying that it is Monty Python might be a bit of a stretch, but... It's not literally Monty Python. No, yeah, yeah, To use a metaphor, if you will, it is... A what now? Monty Python. A metaphor. Yeah, okay. Um, Sure. I definitely saw some things where it seemed like it was aping... um, and not in a bad way, because every comedy, just one extent or another, apes previous comedy styles. Um, like I mentioned before, classic Looney Tunes. Um, mm, sure. Not to an exaggerated degree, but I definitely felt like the um, the character of Khalil, who we will discuss at length, I'm sure, sure. Um, uh, definitely seemed like it was they were trying to make it like a less edgy Bugs Bunny kind of a character, mm. um, oh. in a way. How so? Just in the sense that it, it was kind of, um, kind of an irreverent, enthusiastic... Um, uh, hanger on who is not necessarily a welcome presence mm. um, sort of the not a trickster so much but more of just the um, a lovable pest yeah that's probably the best way to put it a lovable pest so that uh, and it just seemed like a little bit of the physical humor was kind of influenced a, a little bit uh, by 
Looney Tunes, like the way things were timed, like with the crashing van, for example, uh-huh. um, oh, yeah. getting caught on the clothesline and being having like the quills shot from the porcupine at the tires and that kind of stuff. It seemed a little bit Looney Tunes-ish. Nothing, sure. nothing too overt, but definitely seemed like it was of that ilk. A distant yeah. cousin, if you will. Okay, I can see it. I think Looney Tunes plus Monty Python is exactly what you get with VeggieTales. In Sunday school. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, add that in. So the story within a story, like you said, we start with this uh, this van of kids going to a Twippo concert. I thought when they were saying that for several times after this, in, until they said it a million times and several characters said it, I thought that the characters that were saying it, the kids, were trying to say triple... But oh, had a speech impediment. Flippo. Oh, that's so cute. I can't believe... Okay, maybe... Again, adult-watching children's show. Like, yeah. I mean, they do have it, like, written out in big, bold letters pretty early on on the tickets. But, like, after a little while, yeah. I may not have watched this in HD. <laughs> By the way, this movie's kind of hard to find. It wasn't on Amazon. So there's this story within a story. Mm. Um, and then there's some recurring characters, which I thought was interesting. I was listening to another podcast recently and they were talking about how that's a common like theatrical uh, trope to Mm -hmm. reuse actors in different roles and it's supposed to kind of make a narrative connection between Mm -hmm. those characters. And so I was thinking about it in those terms. So if we look at the recurring characters... Yes, I feel like that is definitely a common trope in any kind of frame narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, The one that springs to mind for me because course i am kyle Abair <laughs> is uh the cabinet of dr caligari which is oh. one of the famous early frame narratives in which the uh present day if you will is revealed to have been at an insane asylum and the right. framed narrative all of the characters within the framed narrative it is revealed are actually characters in and around this mental institution oh. Say so, hi to Girl Kitten if you could hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so the the titular Dr. Caligari in mm. the in the story within a story is actually the hospital administrator. And the uh, Cesar character, the somnambulist, is actually mm. another patient in the facility. So all of this sort of thing, it that's just one particular example that right. I imagine at least one or two of our listeners have probably been familiar with. But um, <laughs> but seriously, like I, I, in, in in frame narratives like this one, it is I feel like kind of a common trope to have characters play or appear in dual or yeah. People appear in dual roles. Right. I think I think that's almost its own niche of that trope is the insane asylum narrative. Like mm-hmm. all, most, the, that's a common kind of twist to be like, and it was in an insane asylum the whole mm-hmm. time. So you know, also Dr. Way- Caligari probably has the first instance of it, yeah. possibly. But you know, you look at. Ooh, I don't want to get into spoilers. If you look at other movies that take place in a sane asylum, well, let's put it this some way: some star a, a, a Leonardo verse... DiCaprio, some yes. star other people. Which I'm again, that's one movie that the, I know what you're referring to, and I'm disappointed that you've seen it because that is a really good one that oh, I think not good. enough people enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, another more famous example that I think is probably less um, Kyle Avery that more people have probably seen is The Wizard of Oz, in which uh, yes. you have it's not strictly speaking a frame narrative mm-hmm. because technically it all happens in a linear fashion, but um, in the land of Oz, the major characters are people who appear in the black and white Kansas. Right. Well, I would almost say those the insane asylum is it's not quite a frame narrative. It's kind of a a twist on reality. And then the Wizard of Oz is almost a different thing as well. It's not mm-hmm. frame narrative, but you know that's another common way to use this recurring characters, like we saw with um, shoot, what did we watch? The Fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same kind yes. of thing where you're oh, re- yeah. when you're I guess that. that is the fall is more of a frame narrative than Wizard of Oz where it's he is telling a story and within the story the people that already right. exist in their in their real lives are appearing. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to use that, but I think in a true frame narrative like there you're supposed to draw those kind of parallels. So going back to um Jonah, the recurring characters we see are Jonah who comes in mm-hmm. as Twippo at the end. And then uh, Khalil, who comes back um, as the tow truck driver. Yes. So what parallels do you think the story is trying to draw between them? Uh, that um, rock stars are prophets of God, mm-hmm. and they deliver the Lord's message. Um, and let's see, what can we say about Khalil is that he, uh, he was an ancillary character mm-hmm. in the... Um, 
in the framed story of Jonah, and as he shows up as a tow truck driver, it's more of a cameo. And it almost seemed like just a setup to a joke. Like, have we met before? I don't know. Have we? Wink. Iris out. Credits. Boom. Got it. Um, So I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, definitely using a pop singer as the stand-in or as the uh, uh, second appearance of uh, a character who is a literal prophet. Um, That was fascinating on its own. Fascinating. I might be overselling my initial reaction, though. But yeah. What do you make of it? Hmm. See, I was trying to anticipate as I was watching the deeper meanings you were going to <laughs> read into this. So you can imagine my vast disappointment. But well, I thought this was going to be your shoe-in because I think there's something there about like the nature of celebrity. Jonah came up as this whole, like, you right, know, yes. when we were introduced to him, everyone's like, Jonah, what's the word? Like, oh my God, he's mm-hmm. here. Look at him on his camel. Mm-hmm. His camel Reginald, which is adorable. Um, he was a very fancy camel with a monocle. Who would, who would win in a fight between Reginald the Camel, camel and the horse from uh, Road to El Dorado? Ooh. I think Reginald. Reginald really? looked like he would throw down. Interesting. Like, he would have people kill you and you wouldn't even know. <laughs> okay. The horse from El Dorado is a sweetie, but he's he's a dummy. He's That's true. He's not going to pull the punches that Reginald would pull. He Reginald's thinking like four or five steps ahead. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, so I think, like, the nature of celebrity role models, having that person come in who's, like, a, they're not almost not real. They're just someone that you're going to look up to no matter what and listen to their story. Whereas uh, Khalil was more of, like, the everyman hero who, you know, his his realization at the end was, like, oh, I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be like you, but I don't want to be like you. I want to mm-hmm. be I want to be a good person. I want to be kind. I want to be well-liked. That's what's valuable to me. You can find a new traveling buddy. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not in it for the, the glitz and the glamour. I'm in it for like the relationships. And he, um, I think, was the not all heroes wear capes kind of thing. <laughs> like you, you have your heroes and your people, your role models that you can look up to, but those people only take you so far. There's also the people who need to pull over on the side of the road and give you a tow when your van's broken. That's true. And. It- you raise an interesting point here, actually, because the similarities between uh, Twippo and Jonah yes. are superficial, I think, because... Besides the fact that they are literally the same asparagus. Yes, they are the same asparagus with a weird British accent for some yes. reason. Yes, oh, I have things about both asparagus and weird British accents. We'll come but, back yeah. to them. So uh, the similarities, I-, I thought, were kind of tenuous, if I could be actually critical and not just, like wasn't into it but like to actually be somewhat uh critical of it it's like the twippo character or i'm sorry the jonah character is as presented here as in the biblical story is kind of petty mm-hmm. and not a particularly enviable person yeah um and his story ends with like no resolution whatsoever mm-hmm. and so it was almost like a parody I don't know. I don't know if I'd really even call it a parody. It was almost like a big joke to be like, "Well, this biblical story has no resolution, so musical number, and yeah. that will just tie everything together." Musical number that just recaps the story and also yeah. has no resolution. It's more of a big musical number. It's more of a big musical number. Perfect. Jonah was a prophet. Ooh ooh, but he really never got it. Sad but true. If you've been watching, you can spot it. A doodly doo. He did not get the point. And they kind of gloss over the fact that the story has no actual resolution. They use it to teach a lesson, but also this story is just kind of like a series of things that happen that don't necessarily lead anywhere. Like the last time we see the last time we see Jonah, he is like, Oh man, I wanted to see the city get blown up. And well, I did what I was supposed to do. I warned them that they were going to get in big trouble. So now that they've had their warning, it's time to watch God wipe them off the face of the earth. <laughs> and then it's Petty. like, well, the end. Yeah. Petty AF. Yeah. And then this Twippo character is kind of presented like his his last move in the story is, I wouldn't call it heroic, but altruistic. Like, yeah, you guys can all come on my van and we'll go to my concert and you can get backstage passes. The end, I'm great. Um, so it's yeah, redeemed. I wasn't really clear on like what kind of parallel they were trying to draw between the two beyond the celebrity angle. Mm, yes. Well, I mean, open for deliberation. Scholars have 
written many a paper on <laughs> what this means, but I just was curious your take on it. Sure. So to open myself up to more, uh, what should I say? Eh, just throw some salt on the wound. <laughs> Let's talk about the music of this movie. Lead on. So I, this is one thing that actually has stuck in my head from, I didn't remember a ton of this movie. I totally forgot about Khalil. I kind of forgot that it was a frame story in the first place. I, I, it's been, this is not Road to El Dorado where every once in a while I'll be like, oh man. And like my best friend and I will watch it or something. It's, it's, I haven't seen this since it was appropriate for me to watch it. Um, but I did, I liked it a lot. And it was one that we watched like a, a couple times over. But the one thing that really stuck out in my head was um, the music, especially the kind of weird jingles that are kind of sprinkled in uh-huh. throughout the story. You know what I'm talking about? I think so. But why don't you give us a couple of examples? So um, I'm not going to sing them if that's what you're trying to lead into. Uh, there's when they first get to the seafood restaurant, there's the two little French peas. and. Yes they are telling them their specials and then they just like go into this random 15 second song Cumber platter steak steak eat it eat it shrimp shrimp need it need it steak and shrimp steak and shrimp need to need to eat it eat it and it's just like well random and they it, it starts to go in the animation is like it, it gets a little like computer gamey not even mm-hmm. not even video game like computer game yeah. of the of the era and it's just like it's so they're just really funny and then they the um pirates who don't do anything who spinned into their own franchise uh-huh. fyi into later films and episodes huh. of veggie tales they have a thing like when they beat some they beat jonah i guess at ping pong and then they just do like a little a little song so it's not it's it is a musical movie like the you know in the traditional sense there are some big song numbers big like i want songs and express your emotions through song type moments is this not to interrupt you but now that you mentioned this movie definitely did i couldn't put my finger on it at the time mm-hmm. but this movie definitely seemed like it was co-written by like a youth pastor who couldn't wait to bust out his guitar at the drop of a hat like Ooh. I mean, yeah, probably. we get it. <laughs> you can play. But they weren't, like, acoustic guitar songs. They were not. They were not. Like, big kind of Broadway show-stoppy songs. Yeah. The, I, I will say this. The production for the musical numbers was surprisingly high, the production mm-hmm. value, considering the production value for the animation is obviously not that high. True. It was also 2002, but y- you could do this better This is a post-Toy Story world. Okay? <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, it's... it. I guess, yeah. Toy Story <laughs> is the high end of what you could do with this. Because it Toys? is like the computer yeah. graphics. It's not It's not cartoons. Right. So yeah, I mean, definitely... I, I will give credit where it's due, for sure. Like, the quality of the music was... I mean, the production value was great. Um, definitely, it was... It, they really threw a lot into it. Um, you know, I, it was interesting. Like, I, I thought that the one, like, weird, like, gospel church number inside the whale. Reminded me a lot of, like, the musical number in The Blues Brothers. I thought you were going to say that. Well, that's one of my benchmark movies where it's, like, everything reminds me of The Blues Brothers. Uh, yeah. Um, this which, is just like The Blues Brothers. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you. Baby Driver, Blues Brothers. Jo- uh, <laughs> Jonah, Jonah the Veggie Whale Tales? is not one that I was going to say. Jonah Veggie Tales, Blues Brothers. Yeah. Anyway, I think that is probably the standout part that is you know, unimpeachable is like the quality of the music. Mm, and okay. I still didn't enjoy it. Uh-huh. We've got a compliment out of him. You're welcome, big ideas. <laughs> and all the children I grew up with. Thanks for the screener. Yes. Um yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the vegetables. Please. I am uh, I am legitimately dying to know what you have to say about this. Yeah. Okay, the asparagus thing. One of my favorite jokes that like popped in my head as I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, this is funny. When Khalil is talking to Jonah in the ship and they're just meeting each other and Jonah's kind of like skirting around the fact that he like ran away from his his call from God to go to Nineveh because he was like no forget those people they are bad I don't want them to be redeemed I'm gonna go anywhere else so he goes to the opposite end of the earth Halil is like kind of like oh so wait why are you why are you going there and he's like oh I don't want to talk about it and Halil makes up this whole story about how Jonah has like this conflicted love in Tarshish which 
Tarsus. Tar- Tarsus. What? How do you here's, say it? Tarsus. Here's a Tarsus. fun game. Biblical city or Game of Thrones city? Oh, or both. Um, or in both. Tarsus. In Karth, let's just call it Karth. <laughs> Winterfell. There's some, like, he has some conflicted love. He's, like, the daughter of a camel thief, blah, 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 blah. And as he says, a beautiful young asparagus, instead of doing kind of the hourglass motion uh, yes. that you would do in real life, he does a straight down motion because she's an asparagus. That was, yes, that is true. That is true. <laughs> but, like, the ideal asparagus body, just the straight idea. up and down. As opposed to all those other asparagus <laughs> bodies. It's but, an unattainable goal of beauty for asparagus. That, and... and it must be noted that the only character in this entire story with hands... Oh, you're so right. Does not, because it is the only character in the film... There are only two... Like, He's the only true character in this entire film that is not a vegetable. Yeah, you know, the you're o- right. The only animal character. Yeah. You know what would be a true... I, I'm going to circle back to that. Please. Um, a really... Interesting and horrifying double feature with this would be um, Seth Rogen's Sausage Party. <laughs> Similar yeah. universe. Yeah. Very different I, I think, sensibilities. I think you're onto something there. Yes. Um, another movie I didn't particularly care for. <laughs> I didn't actually see it. I've read the script and I have not seen the movie. You're not missing much, but um, <laughs> I'll let you be the judge of that, I suppose. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, you're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but going back, so the only animal... The other thing about the vegetables, one other thing, we're going to get into a couple more things. Um, There's some inconsistency. There's some like Pluto the dog level inconsistency in the, yeah, yeah, just wait for it. Blow your mind. Um, In the VeggieTales movie, did you notice that? Did you know? There's at least one instance that I was like, wait a minute. I feel like it's something I should have noticed, but no, I did not. Maybe not. This is probably the first time I've noticed it, but I was like, wait, what? How do they, how do the vegetables understand this? When um, they're all in... Uh, Nineveh towards the end of the movie mm-hmm. and they're about to get the slap of death. Yes. Or the slap of no return. The slap of no return! <laughs> yes. <laughs> they put a I, pumpkin uh-huh. sorry, go ahead. I'm not gonna put the D word in uh, this movie for five-year-olds. You're right, you're right. Um, they put a pumpkin on the pedestal to uh-huh. demonstrate the slap. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So what a... What? Was that? Are we to understand that that was a corpse for demonstration <gasps> purposes? Oh my god, that's horrifying! It is. It's are, yeah. Or are pumpkins just excluded from this anthropomorphized vegetable well, world? Uh, Not think, pumpkins. Well, here's the thing: pumpkins are technically fruit. They're a gourd. Are gourds fruit? I believe so. Yes. Okay. I think that uh, I can't remember what the actual rule is, but I guess uh, so is a tomato. I guess so. Never mind. Oh yeah, so true. And there's blueberries. They're yep. not in this film, but mm-hmm. in other ones. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So no, it's not a fruit vegetable thing. Maybe it's a gourd thing. Maybe it's a Wait. gourd thing. Vegetales is racist against gourds. It's racist. Gourds are subhuman. Um, oh, where did no cucumbers are a nightshade. They're somehow related, but cucumbers are. Larry the cucumber is probably the star of Veggie Tales. Like he is the carrot. He is. Was he in this movie? Yes, he was one of the pirates. So Bob and Larry, okay. Bob the tomato, uh-huh. Larry the cucumber uh-huh. are. You see them in the opening thing, the big idea, uh-huh. but they are like in everything. They are usually the narrators of the episodes. Okay. They are the like. They're the Mickey Mouse and. Donald Duck. Yeah. Okay, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. It's a little, there's a little bit of switching because Larry is kind of, he's kind of the sidekick, but he's more of the Mickey Mouse character. He's gotcha. just like the all around good guy, okay. sweet, kind of a rube. And then Bob is a little more cynical and whatever, but he is kind of the main narrator. Anyway, just some context. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't know what happened with that pumpkin. And <laughs> everyone was like, oh my God, but not in a like, Ugh, like hide your children. This is disgusting. We've just watched a... You a know, body being it's, smashed. It's funny because I have just been listening to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, and the most recent episode that he did was about the history of public executions, which was oh, weirdly appropriate for this, wow. considering that this is basically a pastiche of the public execution. Yeah. Um, and it was like the more grotesque and disgusting it could possibly be, the more people would, would gather around. Whoa. Um, oh. it, up to and including in the 1750s in, like, Paris, France. Oh, God. The, ultimately... The capital of Western civilization at the time. Oh no, the French—they love their public ex- executions. Um, but at any rate, yes, that I, I didn't make that connection until just now. But you're right; that did seem like a very grotesque display 
uh, when you really think about it. So do you think, like, public executions, there were some people who were just not into them the way people are not into horror movies now? Like, I don't really like Saw movies. That kind of gross me out. I'm not really... It's not... Yeah. It's it's just gross and scary. It's not, like, thrilling. Do you think there's people like that in, like, the Did, olden times or yes, 200-ish years ago? Yeah. So Carla made a very interesting point that... Um, there is strong evidence for your tolerance for that kind of thing to be cultural. And when you don't have TV or movies or video games or really any kind of options for entertainment, and the only thing that you're ever going to see that's out of the ordinary is somebody getting killed in a weird way, you develop a bizarre sort of tolerance for it. And that happens cross-culturally. Yeah. um, Which is disturbing to think about, but also makes a lot of sense. Well, I just wonder more of like, you know, on the level of normal... Like, were some people like, hey, man, like, you want to go to the public execution? And other people would be like, oh, no, that's just, like, not really my thing. I just don't really, I'm not really into that, the way people are not really into scary movies. Probably you know? so. Probably They're so. like, eh, nah, that's okay. But not like, no, that's horrifying. That's disgusting. I don't want to watch people get their heads smashed or pulled apart by horses and whatever. It's just like, nah, no, I don't know. It just freaks me out. I don't want to. Usually the, those accounts were written by people who were like visiting from another place. So like the French public execution with like the people that were saying like this is horrifying or people who were visiting from like Italy or something like that who were like, this is a nightmare scenario, <laughs> not uh, uh, afternoon's entertainment. Right. Um, You're talking more extremes. I'm talking more like every day. Are there sure. just some French people who are like, Meh, no, that's okay. I'd rather like sit here with my needlepoint. You know, some of those like just middling, lukewarm. Oh yeah, you get like one of those. People. You get if you got like an apartment that's overlooking the uh, execution plaza, you can just rent that out like Airbnb style. Yeah. You're like, oh, it always gets so crowded, and like uh, it's just not my thing. I just don't like being around those all those people. It's like, like if you've ever listened, lived near a sports stadium or yeah. near the beach or something like that. You're like, oh, tourists. All right, we get it. <laughs> Anyway, I feel like we've strayed very far away from the Talking Vegetables movie, but no, slap I don't no hate return. It. It's not that far. Um, okay, so moving into kind of to wrap up the content with a message. So yeah. the lessons in this movie. How much? Okay, big question. How much did you feel the religiousness? Like, like you're saying, if if we take that baseline, like mm-hmm. preachiness of a lot of kids movies, right. even you know Disney is a big one. I think has mm-hmm. a lot of kind of inherent messages and. Stuff. If, if you take that as a baseline, how much more did you feel that in this movie? Um, it was brought in very matter-of-factly and not shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't feel as though... Well, maybe not shoehorned. That's probably not the word I'm looking for. But it didn't feel like it was um, trying to be flashy about mm-hmm. the uh, religious content. It just was very matter-of-fact. Um, and so I didn't think that it was... <laughs> Sometimes... Especially children's programming with religious content, but I think, honestly, even, like, more grown-up or broad audience religious films Mm -hmm. tend to be very, like, you kind of roll your eyes about it because it is so in your face about it. It was not in your face. This was not in your face any more than I would say the Blues Brothers religious content is in your (laughs) face. It's there throughout but it's not something that they make a huge, huge deal about. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was kind of the same thing here. Like, the fact that it was a biblical story, which, by the way, maybe I didn't go to enough Sunday school, but I realized watching this that I didn't actually know this. What I didn't remember, like, the story of Jonah. The yeah. only part I remembered was, dude gets swallowed by a fish. Right, the well part. That's, that's the <laughs> only part I remembered. We don't know why. We don't know what happens after, but he got eaten by a whale. Yeah, exactly. So, in that sense, like, relaying the salient points of the religious parable... Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, you know, this is a story from the Bible, but they didn't frame it as though it was a story from the Bible. They yeah. just said, this is a story, period, full stop. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, with that said, I didn't think that it was, I, 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 it felt natural mm-hmm. and not like it was trying to be, uh, like, a message. Right. I do, as you were talking about this, I, I think there is kind of a more just storytelling aspect to this, whereas if you think about a lot of, my, the picture I have in my head of a lot of, like, religious content is, like, lightness and, like, epic inspiration tone to it. And this doesn't – it's it's a story. It's a story with yeah. a message, but not necessarily any more than, like I said, a Disney movie. Like, on the sliding scale of how churchy it is, it's pretty close to, like, the low end, I would say. Yeah. Like, realistically. Um, and a lot of these stories are Old Testament stories, which mm-hmm. I think – does kind of make a difference because they are, you know, the same or very similar stories between 
the Torah and Jewish texts and mm-hmm. the Christian Bible. And, you know, so it's not necessarily, I think when you get into the Jesus-y territory is when you start getting into a lot of that kind of, um, that kind of feeling. But this is very grounded in kind of the storytelling, which is much more of how the Old mm-hmm. Testament is framed. Yeah, it is. And on the one hand, like Old Testament stories tend to be much more like brutal. Like the yeah. Old Testament is kind of shorthand for saying like, you know, uncivilized barbarism in a right. lot of cases. But on the other hand, these Old Testament stories are generally accepted to be more like fables or like to stories intended just to teach lessons on how to be an acceptable member of human society. Right. Um, and in with that in mind, it's perfect fodder for, for uh, children's stories because it's basically intended to be educational. Right. Um, I was thinking about this earlier that for centuries, the Bible in Western civilization was the only form of mass media. Right. Um, in an age when not only were people illiterate, but books themselves didn't necessarily exist. The only standard... Th- across Western civilization was uh, biblical text. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's intended to be accessible to virtually anybody. Right. Um, how did you feel about kind of the religion plus the silliness? That As I was watching it, I was mm-hmm. like, this feels like if I was a religious parent trying to show my kid religious content, mm-hmm. this would feel edgy to me. Interesting. I kind of had the opposite reaction because I thought that it was more like... <sighs> Without getting, without making it sound too devious, being like, "Aha!" It's like it's it's like sneaking vegetables, literally. <laughs> it's it's like sneaking vegetables into like your kid's diet without them knowing it. <laughs> and in this case, it's trying to sneak the religion into your kid's media diet without them knowing it. Oh, okay, yeah. I think it definitely exists in this like very small space between like just completely secular just turn it on and let a kid watch it. I don't Mm -hmm. really care what they're learning. Space, and then this, like, oh, I really need this to be nutritious, and, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in in the niche of of religion added to that. Like, it it does kind of, it like, really fits right in the middle of those two things, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's funny, like, I I think, I don't know about you, personally, Mm -hmm. but, like, for me, when I was a kid, even when I was, like, five years old or so, I think that I was, I don't want to say savvy enough because, like, I, I don't want to, like, overstate, like, how savvy I was about media, but I think Pretty I had, savvy, though. I think Pretty I had, like, I, I think I was a sophisticated enough five-year-old to be able to say, like, this is Disney. This is, this is blue chip stuff right here. This is the, uh, this is the good stuff. Yeah. This, not Disney. Get this swill off of my television. Oh, you mentioned that with the um, Rodel Dorado, Dorado as well. You're very brand conscious. I, I'm not sure I could tell the difference. I could tell from just I, there was just something innate about it where I was like, "This is Disney. This is not Disney." I do remember. So there would always be those like Disney knockoffs that were like mm-hmm. not. I'm not talking DreamWorks. I'm talking like dollar store. Yeah, like tapes, yeah. the smallest mermaid type stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I, re- I know that stuff, and I was definitely would turn up my nose at, like, that's okay. No. I know real content. That's not real content. It's, but I don't think I it didn't go to the level of, like, this is not Disney. Like, Disney is Disney. DreamWorks is DreamWorks. I definitely watched those. And Fox and stuff. You know, the uh-huh. whole, like, Anastasia isn't a Disney princess thing. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, she's Fox, but she basically is a Disney princess. Um, yeah, and then VeggieTales and stuff. Like, there was top shelf content, right. and it all was in the same bucket. There were, it wasn't Disney and Yeah, and there were, there were exceptions, like the All Dogs Go to Heaven, for example. Oh, yeah. Like, a, just a title popped in my head because I happened to see something about it earlier today. Mm-hmm. But that was, was something where, recently. like, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, as yeah. a kid, I enjoyed it. I haven't watched it in years. I probably still enjoy it. But I did somehow or other know that it was not Disney. It was yeah. like, there was Disney, and it's like sort of how people talk about like the Uncanny Valley. Uh-huh. It's like, it's not quite correct. Like, it looks, I think this is literally what they're talking about, right? It looks very, very similar, but something about the content just didn't quite match up to like the yeah. Disney, which I think speaks volumes more for the Disney quality control than anything else. It's a machine. It is a machine, and it, it, they they did it. Because even as a five-year-old, I was like, Disney... For sure not Disney. Um, anyway, I, that was just something that I brought up, that I, that I thought of a minute ago, that I was like, yeah, this might be kind of relevant to like what we're talking about sure. here, and why 
this was not part of my like media diet when I was at that age. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Also, two thousand two, I was in middle school, so I was like, I was in seventh grade in two thousand and two, uh, so that's part yeah, of the reason kind why. Of a little old. Anything else? Any other notable scenes, moments? Anything else that stuck out to you? We have to talk yeah, about oh. Khalil. My name is Khalil. I am a caterpillar. Well, that is only half true. My mother was a caterpillar. My father was a worm. But I am okay with that now. We okay, have to yeah. as a character because we t- we mentioned a few things. Where is he from? Uh, he sells Persian rugs. May or may not mean he's Persian. His uh, voice sounds like he is from India. Yes, which I I think we're going into a political correctness discussion, and I'm here for it. I also was going to say something about the vegetables all having accents that are completely nonsensical. Like, just don't make sense with the situation they're in. So the mm-hmm. carrot is Scottish, but he sells cruises in Israel. Israel. Uh, the asparagus, I loved t- one of the lines in Twippo's, like, big musical number was when he was a kid growing up in Arizona. When I was a boy, I went to church back home in Arizona. And that is where I heard the tale of a man whose name was Jonah. But he has like a very serious British accent. Yes. And I was like, what part of Arizona are you from? That seemed like a line that they were like, all right, what rhymes with this? Arizona. Got it. Next next verse. Next verse. It absolutely was. But it's part of the, I just, I was noticing all the vegetable accents. The ironic part. And caterpillar accents. Yeah. Or half caterpillar. Which opens up a whole different uh, line of questioning. No, we're not going to go there. But no, um, yeah. (laughs) That song when he talks about Arizona, he, in that same song, doesn't he list like, 15 different, like, Mediterranean biblical cities. Yes, he and does. And I'm like, you couldn't find a single city that existed in the Bible or in the world at that time that rhymed with Arizona that wasn't Arizona? Was that the song, or was it... I thought it was. But... No, no, I think that's the um, the Nineveh song towards the beginning. He, like, jumps right, around the true, map. True. He does He does, like, a quick spoken word breakdown thing in the last, the Arizona. Sure. That's not... It's the... Jonah was a prophet. Right. Son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but still, um, they, the writers knew these names, <laughs> and they could have found... Anyway, that's the end Jonah. Here. What else rhymes with Jonah? Anywhere in Britain, you could have gone with. But yeah. anyway. Um, um, yeah. So... So Khalil. You wanted Khalil, to talk about Yeah. I, it was a very much like an Apu from The Simpsons kind of a situation, yes. where it's like, this guy, I don't understand. Like, they didn't characterize him as being, like, have, having any discernible um, cultural stereotypes, in the, in the way that, like, his dialogue went or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was an odd choice for accent. And also, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I did feel as though it was a um, a character that was kind of dropped in to just be, like, the comic relief. And, like, yeah. their version of comic relief is to give this character... And it wasn't just Khalil. It was any of these characters who was just dropped in for, like, a moment also. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, the carrot with the Scottish accent. <laughs> Why? The peas with the French accent. Why? Those, I will say, are recurring characters, though, in other right, media. Right. Khalil, I don't believe is. He doesn't mm. come into anything else. So, yeah, I think there's a question there. I, I don't know. He did have some idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. because he was comic relief that I don't know if those were supposed to... Not supposed to, but I don't know if you could read those as... as um, Racial or national or uh, cultural stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, cultural stereotypes. That's a good way to put it. Which, um, like his whole like uh, this runs very deep in my family. Yes, and, and I'm wondering because the target audience for this type of religious material is probably going to be skewing more on the conservative side. And this is uh, this I is that's fair. 2002. Yeah, fresh yeah. after 9/11. Yeah. Is there oh. a connection here where they're trying to make this character? trying to skew one way or the other and I'm not quite sure Ooh, I didn't think about that there's your deeper right meaning yes is this about 9-11 is 9-11 was a uh, a factor in the characterization of this uh, Khalil uh, individual very possible I don't um, know if he was supposed to be Indian how that's supposed to factor in but yes is this commentary on how uh, reactionary uh, low information voters uh, uh, conflate <laughs> Indian people with Middle Eastern people. Whoa. Could be. World will never know. Um, but yeah, I think uh, 
outside of the 9-11 thing. Good points. Is there anything else you wanted to say about that? Um, About that, no, not in particular, just because there's, I mean, these characters are thin. There's really not a whole oh, lot absolutely. to do. Like, if there was more to bring in as evidence for, like, really anything, I, you know, you can make stronger arguments, even, even silly arguments, but these characters are paper thin, and they're not intended to be, like, deep characters. Even, even Jonah, who probably has the most depth, is still characterized kind of one-dimensionally. Like, he's just a petty dude who eventually, like, does his job, mm-hmm. um, but then expects to get something, out, out like, out of it. You know, right. it's like, I held up my end of the deal. Um, it, anyway, I, so, that, yeah. Not really a whole lot to say about the characters. No, yeah. And I, I think it probably does coast a little bit more for people who were familiar with VeggieTales the the recurring character because it is kind of the same cast of characters that will be in each different mm-hmm. story. Ooh, we could talk about that as the recurring frame narrative, um, recurring <laughs> characters type thing. But bigger discussion. But yeah, so I, I think probably some of the characterization and how you're supposed to supposed to sympathize probably mm-hmm. does come from the context you would have had watching other Veggie Tales iterations. But it's fair, and it you know that's the story is what it is it doesn't really rely too much on the characters anything else any other scenes that you that gave you any kind of reaction um honestly not really i mean I've just, like i said the musical numbers are the obvious the parts where they really kind of threw their back into the production mm-hmm. and it shows and i appreciated that not for me but you yeah. know they were impressive in their own way um and yeah i don't know i i like I said, this is so very obviously a movie aimed at children yes. that I, 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 there were a lot of parts where I just didn't know what to think. <laughs> it's too complex for Kyle. Children, write in. Let us know. Please do. I would love to get some angry letters written in crayon. Oh, yeah. Not enough uh, crayon letters up on our studio walls. Frankly, not enough letters at all. Guys, what yes. are you doing out there? Put pen to paper. We want to know your love in, in hard ink and... Yeah, just ink. Pretty much just ink. <laughs> Blood? Uh, Mud? I was going to go there, but then I was like, no, nah, don't. That's, you, save it. A little gross. Yeah, save, save that blood. Save yeah. that blood for when we cover uh, Dracula or something like that. Ooh. Um, All right. Well, with that, um, what's your pick for next week? Um, Got a couple options for you, as per Ooh. usual. Um, Give me the flow chart. And I know that I said earlier that I was going to try it. <laughs> Oh. I was being flippant and saying I was going to punish you with something I knew you were going to dislike. Yeah. And I may yet, but oh, I'm going to let boy. you make that decision. This yeah. is going to be like a choose-your-own-adventure, the kind where you can actually die at the end. Um, oh, God. So, Oregon Trail style. Oregon Trail style, yes. Dysentery at every Right, corner. yeah. So, okay, would you like to watch uh, a movie? Let's see. I'm doing this from memory, so I'm having a hard oh, time. Oh, wow. Okay, he is, guys. He doesn't have any paper in front of him. No, I've got legit no notes. He's um, got his computer, though, so... No, I, yeah. Like, uh, no notes. No notes. No notes. Okay. Would you like to watch a another war movie? Oh. Um, would you like to watch a dystopian future movie? Oh. Or would you like to watch a movie that was banned in Britain for being too disgusting? Oh. Ugh. Hmm. Hey. Cat wants to weigh in. I agree, kitten. I think we should do the dystopian movie. Okay. Now, would you like to watch, and this is the only other choice here, would you like to watch a movie set in Australia? Oh. Would you like to watch a movie set in the United States? Or would you like to watch a movie that's a pastiche of 80s apocalypse movies? Oh. Uh, is the pastiche funny? Is it, is it played they're for all, comedy? They're all funny in parts. Oh. They're all funny in parts. Let's do Australia. All right. I think you know exactly what's coming. This I is a movie that I was shocked that you had not seen because you've seen the movies that kind of sandwich it. Yeah. It's part of a franchise. You told me a long time ago that you have seen the original 1979 Mad Max. Which I have. Which blew me away, actually. You, know, you also have seen. Surprises. You've also seen, of course, uh, Fury Road, a movie yes. that I hold in very high regard as well. Agreed. Um, and did you see Thunderdome? I have not seen Thunderdome. Well, that's not the movie we're going to watch. We're what? Gonna, we're watching The Road Warrior from 1982. Oh wait, where does that fall on the canon? It's the second one. Oh, Road Warrior. I mean, uh, Thunderdome is three. Thunderdome was oh, three. Yes. Okay. 
Mm. Oh, all so right. So we're watching 1982's The Road Warrior, the movie that uh, cemented the Mad Max character as part of kind of the popular imagination worldwide. It was a mega hit. And also catapulted Mel Gibson into international superstardom, for good or ill. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually kind of excited by this. Um, I was not planning to watch that next week, but... Um, yeah, um, it's a solid choice and uh, definitely one of the ones that falls under the category of I can't believe you haven't seen this yet. So, okay. um, yeah, Road Warrior for next week. Can't wait. Um, until next time, I'm Kari. And I'm Kyle. And this has been K Have You Seen. See you next week. See ya. I'm sleeping with this